0: This is a series that we've done for the last uh, 10 years. It's been a great one that we've uh, gone a lot of places and done a lot of things. Uh, This year, John and Todd uh, went to Nameless Texas, not too far from Austin. Uh, And so the idea of this series is that we're talking about nameless people from Scripture, people who uh, teach us significant lessons. In some cases, it's, it's what to do. We'll see later on in this series. There's also what not to do. Uh, But uh, but last week, you remember, we we kicked off this series by talking about the repentant thief, the one who hung on the cross beside Jesus in Luke chapter 23. Tonight, we're going to be backing up just a couple of chapters to Luke 21, uh, and we're going to see Jesus preaching in the temple, and this is the final time that he's preaching. Uh, Jesus knows that he's getting close to the end of his ministry. Uh, He knows that pretty soon he's going to be betrayed, and he's going to be arrested, and he's going to be crucified. And so he's kind of saying some of the last things. He's, he's, he's ending his teaching ministry, and he's in the temple courts, and he's talking about all sorts of things. He, he's talking uh, about a lot of stuff, but, but the main theme of what he's getting at is a denunciation of the Pharisees and the scribes. Essentially, he's calling out their, their modern-day religion. He's talking about religious hypocrisy. And this is what Jesus says. He says, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and who love respectful greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses. And for the sake of appearance, they say long prayers. So Jesus is preaching and he says, beware of those who talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. He says they devour widows' houses. What he means is they take advantage of the vulnerable. Rather than care for those in need, like the widow, the orphan, they use them. Honestly, this, this whole sermon that Jesus is preaching, it is fiery. And it is blunt. He's really taking it to the people, uh, the, to the people in power. He's pulling no punches. And then right after, he has just said, beware of these hypocritical scribes who puff themselves up, something happens. And this is our our actual scripture for tonight. This is Luke chapter 21, verses one through four. It says, he looked up and he saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasurer. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. He said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. Okay, this scripture is fabulous. Because it's a continuation of what Jesus had just been teaching. We just read it. He says, beware of those religious people who are phony. The ones who love to dress up they love to make a big scene and they want everybody to think they're so righteous and amazing. Beware of the ones who only care about appearance because they're taking advantage of people. People like widows and the very next thing that happens is this widow comes along and she cements his point. It is beautiful. She's poor. She doesn't have much to give and yet still she contributes to God. She gives out of her little bit. She sets an example. And what does Jesus say? He says she's put in more than anyone. Jesus stops and makes this point in the middle of the temple on his last day of teaching. In the very next chapter, we see Judas betray him. In the very next chapter, we have the last supper. And Jesus says, I break this bread. and We drink this wine. And it's in remembrance of me. It's in remembrance of of the crucifixion that's about to come. This is one of the final things in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus is teaching the people. One of the last things he leaves them with. He says, give your little bit. Adopt the generous heart of this nameless widow who dropped in two small copper coins. See, this, this simple act is significant for us because we are called to do the same. We are called to give our little bit, to offer whatever we have to Jesus and to the causes that Jesus cares about. And we do this in a few different ways and so that's what I wanna spend our time talking about tonight, ways that we're called to give. Because if Jesus spent some of his last moments on earth teaching us this, we better take it seriously we better take the time to to really think it through. Okay, so first, and most obviously, uh, we are called to do exactly what the widow does. We are called to give our little tithe. Look, how how we use our money matters. But it's not about the amount, it's about the heart. That's Jesus's point to all of those who were listening in the temple that day. I mean, there were lots of people that day who had put money into the offering. And seemingly, they had put in probably way more than this widow did. And so they're feeling probably pretty good about themselves. And then this rabbi, this strange man named Jesus, comes along and and he starts preaching. And he says that this widow who dropped in two tiny, dull, beaten up copper coins, she's given the most significant gift of all. Her offering was greater than everybody else's combined, even though it was probably the smallest actual amount given that day. Because it wasn't about what she gave. It was about how she gave and why she gave. She wanted to honor God with with the little tithe that she could. And Jesus says that in God's eyes, she's given a fortune. So how we give, why we give matters tremendously. Whether we have a lot, whether we have a little, it's the heart behind our giving that God truly sees. Uh, When I was growing up, I experienced something that kind of taught me this about the heart of giving. Uh, I graduated from uh, All Saints Episcopal School in Tyler, Texas. Uh, It was a wonderful college preparatory school. Uh, But the only reason that I was able to go to All Saints was because of an anonymous donor. And the school never told me who it was. I was never given their name, I was never allowed to thank them in person. All I was told was that someone wanted to bless me and my family and that if I wanted to, they would cover the entirety of my tuition for as long as I attended All Saints. And I, at first, didn't take that opportunity I had grown up in public school, and that's what I knew. Uh, but I ended up taking that opportunity, and I took it at a time in my life when I really needed a change of scenery. Uh, my sophomore year of high school, I was attending Tyler Lee. It's called Tyler Legacy now, uh, but it's the local public school, and uh, to put it simply, I was not headed in a great direction. You know, preacher's kids, I'm, I was prototypical, I guess. Uh, but I went ahead in the best direction, and I knew I needed to change. I knew I needed to do something differently. And so I chose to move schools and to accept this extremely generous offer from this nameless individual. And, and he had no idea that I needed to change. But this changed my life. Genuinely. It, it's where I met my lifelong friends. And I got a great education and I found passions and and I got super involved. And I ended up being the president of a couple of clubs, recycling club, I was pretty, I was a cool kid, you know. But but it was just such a good move for me in so many ways. And it was only possible because of this nameless person who offered to cover the cost. Now I will admit to y'all, I do know who it was now. Uh, I was not gonna just leave that, you know, I dug. And uh, his name was Curtis Mewburn. Curtis was a uh, very successful owner of an oil company, a private oil company in Tyler. Uh, In fact, the School of Petroleum Engineering at uh, the University of Oklahoma is is named after him. Uh, But Curtis was a super active member of our church. And he was kind of an interesting person around town because everybody knew where he lived. And he lived in this really Modest house. Now, Curtis Mewburn was a literal billionaire, but his house wasn't that big, and he drove like a 15 or 20-year-old car, and it was because he wanted to be generous with his money. He gave to All Saints, my school, and he gave to the University of Oklahoma, and he gave to the church. He was, he was one, I mean, of course, he was one of uh, the most generous people for, for the church budget. He, he gave to other charities that he was passionate about. Uh, and, and so often when he would give, he would do it anonymously. And the only reason that I even know that it was him who paid my way was because I pried the information out of his grandson who I knew, uh, like years after we graduated from high school. But the point is, Curtis had no desire to be named or celebrated for his financial generosity. He wasn't one to wear long robes and to pray long prayers for appearances. He wasn't like those scribes and those Pharisees that Jesus is calling out that day. He's actually a lot more like that widow because he gave from a place that was from the heart. It was how he gave, it was why he gave. He remained nameless. And I'll never forget what he did for me because like I said, genuinely, he changed my life. And I'm grateful for that, but I never even got to tell him before he passed away. And that used to really bother me. You know, I I really wanted to say something to him, to just say thank you, to tell him my story and how it panned out. I think he'd be pretty stoked that I'm a Methodist pastor. I wanted to say something to him, but I never got the chance. But you know what? The more I was thinking about that this week, the more I realized that that's how he would have wanted it. Because it wasn't about the praise. That's not why he gave. He gave because his faith compelled him to. And the same is true for us. It's not about what we give. It doesn't matter if we're a billionaire or if we have nothing but two small (laughs) copper coins. What we give is not the point. How we give, why we give, that's what matters. So first we give our little tithe. That's definitely one of the messages of our scripture, for sure. But I also think it goes much deeper than money. Because Jesus doesn't call us to just write a check. There are probably some of us that would love that, if that's all we had to do. But he calls us to go a lot further. He calls us to give all of ourselves. So we don't just give a little tithe, we also have to give a little time. You know, it's often said that time is far more precious than money because it's something that can't be replaced. So giving our time to someone, our attention to someone, is in some ways even more precious of a gift. It's even more valuable. I mean, look at Jesus. Jesus was extremely generous with his time. We talked about this a lot in our last series, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, but, But Jesus was so intentional about going slow He was so intentional about really being with the people that were in front of him. One of my favorite examples of this comes from the same gospel that that we're reading from today. It's it's in the gospel of Luke. Jesus is approached by a man named Jairus, and Jairus' daughter is ill. And he says, please come to my home and heal my daughter. And Jesus says, let's go. And so they're heading to Jairus' house, and on the way, they're going through this massive crowd. This crowd is surrounding Jesus. They've heard about him, and and they want to ask him questions. They want to talk to him, and he's making his way through this crowd. And all of a sudden, it says that Jesus felt some power drain from him. There was a woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years, and she touched just the hem of his robe, and it healed her. And Jesus stops everything. He halts everyone, and he starts talking with her. He engages her, he heals her, he shows her love. And I love this story because Jesus very literally performs a miracle on the way to go perform a miracle. That's how intentional and and, and, and slow and generous he was with his time. I love that because we forget how powerful slowing down and sharing our time and energy and attention can be for somebody else. Again, like most of us, I'm sure, I've experienced this firsthand. Like I said earlier, uh, I had lots of reasons for leaving the the public school that I was going to and transferring to All Saints my my sophomore year. But one of them actually, one of the reasons actually had to do with my chemistry class. Uh, My first semester of 10th grade chemistry at Lee was wild. Uh, I kid you not, my class went through almost a dozen different teachers in one semester. Uh, the first one quit, the second one got fired, the third one had to move away uh, for some reason very quickly, and the fourth one got hit by a school bus in the parking lot. And she ended up being okay, she recovered, uh, but it was one bizarre thing after another. I mean, we just could not hold on to a teacher. Well. After a full semester with nothing but substitutes for a couple of days and assistant principals for a couple of days teaching us, we made it all the way to the very end of the first chapter of the textbook. We learned scientific notation. Now, I can't really explain this to you, but I've been told that it's pretty much just about where you move the decimal point. It's like literally the most basic part of the entire class. Well, the school apologized profusely to us and to our parents, uh, but that didn't change the fact that I was way behind in chemistry. And so when I transferred to All Saints for that second semester of that year, it was painfully obvious that I was gonna struggle because I had no idea what was going on. I could move the decimal point, that was about it. Um, Luckily for me, I had Miss Bircher Miss Bircher was the chemistry teacher at All Saints, and she saw me struggling, I'm sure, very quickly. And so she came to me one day and she said, hey, I wanna meet you with you in the mornings. And so that's what we did. For probably six or eight weeks, she would meet me an hour before school every single day. And she didn't have to do that. It obviously wasn't her fault that I was so behind, and, and I'm sure that it was taxing for her. She had two or three little kids, and she had to get up an hour early and come to the school and, and walk me through stuff that she had already covered. And this probably isn't surprising to you all, but STEM is not my language. You know, I picked this job for many reasons. But, but she did it. She gave me her time. She gave me her little bit, and I still remember that. Now, admittedly and luckily for humanity, I didn't become a chemist. But she got me through that class and I ended up making a decent grade only, only because of her. Only because she gave me a little time. So I want you to think about it. Who in your life has done that? Who has has blessed you in this way? Who has taken time out of their schedule to slow down, to show you love, to help you, maybe to disciple you? It's important that we ask ourselves that. And then it's important that we ask ourselves who we're giving our little bit of time to. How generous are we with our time and energy and attention? We have to ask these questions because giving our little bit of time can make a profound impact. And so can giving our little bit of talent. We give our, our money, we give our time, and lastly, we're called to give our talents. See, every single one of us, every person sitting in the foundry right now, everybody watching online, has, has God-given gifts and abilities that can be used for the betterment, betterment of our neighbor and for the betterment of the kingdom. And it's up to us to figure out how we use those things for ministry. Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians. He's writing to the church in Corinth uh, because they've been squabbling over who is best. They've been fighting for, for status and stature. They all want to be considered the holiest, the most significant. And Paul's response to that, they're expecting him to say, it's, it's you. You're the best because you do this. But instead, he says, we're we're the body of Christ. We, We are like a body, meaning we all have a role to play. Some of us are hands and some are feet, some are arms and legs and eyes. No individual part is any more significant than any other. We work together as one body to accomplish great things for God's kingdom. And Paul wanted them to know that because he had huge aspirations for this church. He knew that they could make a massive difference in their community, that they could lead people to Christ if they got together and used their talents for the collective good. He knew that that when we do that, that's when the church is at its best. That's when we're capable of accomplishing amazing things for Jesus. You know, we're we're beginning a, a pretty big project here at the church this summer our college and young adult ministry, and our young couples Sunday school class that I'm a part of uh, have decided to partner and take, uh, take on this amazing mission. The goal is to raise the money to pay off all of the lunch debt for the entire Grapevine uh, Colleyville School District. Uh, I talked to GCISD not too long ago, and I found out that their lunch debt this year is three to four times higher than it's ever been in their history. Uh, It's a little under $16,000, $15,618. And and I was talking about that and sharing that with our groups. And they decided to try and raise the money to forgive that debt in its entirety. So we've been talking uh, the last couple of weeks about how we might go about doing this, because to be honest, uh, our college students and young adults uh, don't necessarily have a ton of money. But what they do have is a little time and a lot of talent. And there have already been so many great ideas for how they can use those talents to raise the money. And so I wanna share just a few of the fundraising ideas that I've heard so far, just in the last couple of weeks. Uh, there was one person in, in uh, our, young adults, uh, our young couple Sunday school class who is gonna host a cookie decorating class here at the church to raise some money there's another person who, who wants uh, to, to, to teach guitar lessons. And there's another person who wants to do an online video game live stream on Twitch to raise the money. You probably don't know what that is, uh, but basically, this is a thing. People will play video games and thousands of people will watch them play video games and donate. It's an amazing world. But that's what he's going to do. That's his talent. You don't want to watch me play video games because I get stuck on the menu and I, but but that's what he's going to do. And we had one person who said that they're going to babysit. They're going to raise money that way. And I had another young man who said, I'm going to mow lawns and, and weed eat, take care of lawns. We've talked about bake sales and car washes, all kinds of different things. And I'm so excited about this project, one, because I think it's going to do a lot of good, but also because I am seeing people step up and say that they want to serve, that they want to give their little bit of talent, that they want to place it on the altar so that we can achieve something amazing, so that we can love our community in this powerful way. And y'all, that, that's, that's the heart of this scripture. The nameless widow, she gives two small copper coins to God. And Jesus sees that and he celebrates her. He sees her give her little bit, what she has, what she can to glorify God. And he says, this woman's got it. Y'all are still figuring out, but she understands. She gets God's heart. So let's try and follow her lead this summer. And let's ask ourselves how we can use this summer to give our little bit. To support this church by giving our little tithe. To support Jesus by giving a little time. To support a ministry by by giving some of our talents. All of this to glorify God. Let's not be about appearances and robes and long prayers like those scribes and Pharisees. Let's actually do something. Let's ask ourselves, what can we do that is gonna make an impact? How can we share our resources and our attention and our abilities to help our neighbor and point people to the incredible God that we've been worshiping this whole night? Because when we give our little bit, it can make massive waves for Jesus. It can change a 10th graders life. It can even help him pass chemistry. It can forgive an entire school district's debt. I really do believe anything is possible if we are willing to drop in our two small copper coins. Hallelujah. Amen. You bow your heads with me. Lord, help us to be like the widow. Help us to be a people who give, not so that people will see, not so that people will celebrate us, not to puff ourselves up, but to make much of you. Lord, help us to give our money to causes that that are gonna further your kingdom. Help us to give our time to causes that are gonna further your kingdom. Help us to give our talents to the same. Help us to give freely that people might know you that they might experience love and forgiveness. Lord, if we don't know how to give those talents, I pray that that your Holy Spirit would guide us, that over the next few days or weeks, we would maybe stumble across something and that we would have that thought of, I can do this, I can help. Lord, we wanna be in your service. Like we sang about earlier in this service, we are grateful and we know it's not much, but, but saying thank you, living lives of, of gratitude and, and, and giving because you've given, it's, it's, it's a widow's offering, but, but as you said, it is a powerful offering. And so whatever little we can give, God, remind us that you celebrate when we do. Jesus, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.